Hello and welcome to Grace Life Sir Lowry's Pass. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. It'll be something that you can take and go and share with other people because it's one of the biggest um, problems, I guess, in our, our world is that people misunderstand God. Okay? Let me get my Bible and show you. You know, a lot of people, they, they think that they can know God just by picking up the Bible and reading anywhere. Okay? But you can't. <laughs> we, have to, we have to rightly divide the word the Bible says. We have to understand it properly. And I want to show you that you, you, there, there's a, you can know God and you can know Him well, but it's going to take a little bit of, uh, of effort in terms of Bible study. Now, a verse that you, 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 um, I, I hope that you're familiar with is John 10.10, 10, right? What does it say? The thief comes in order to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. Okay? Uh, uh, so, so what is God's part in that verse? Life and abundance. What is the enemy's part in that verse? Kill, still, and destroy. So it's important for us to see that God has nothing to do with death. And I, 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 I will explain this more as we go on. But the, the, the issue here is that we often kind of credit death to God. But this verse is, is one of the many verses showing us that death has nothing to do with God. You know that God didn't create death. You don't sound like you 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 you, uh, <laughs> you 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 understand this, like, or you you you're excited about it. Think about it. And you go back to Genesis, we see that um, God created Adam and Eve and the garden and everything, and then death came as a result of man's sin. It didn't come because God created it. It came because of sin. So our sin created death. God didn't create death. But God made a plan with regard to death because He loved us. Amen? Amen. So go to Hebrews chapter 1. If you've got your Bible, let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. And let's look at a couple of things here. Yeah, the, 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 one of the points that I'm wanting to make here is just that our Father never kills. Okay? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God, uh, Jesus, who is God, says... I came to give life. I didn't come to kill. And so God has never got anything to do with death. He does not kill. Okay, He didn't kill Jesus on the cross. And wherever you look in the Bible and you think you see God killing someone, you're mistaken. Okay, and that's why I say you've got to read your Bible properly. Because a lot of uh, Christians would rather say something like, you know, God sometimes kills people. Right? Because, uh, for example, um, he killed people in Exodus or he killed people in wherever. And it's like, if you go and study it properly, you will see that, that you're mistaken. He didn't kill anyone. From Genesis all the way to Revelation, God has never been involved in death. He doesn't kill. He doesn't steal. He doesn't destroy. Okay? 
And we, it's important for our hearts to be established in this. Otherwise, how can you love God? How can you trust God? And there's a lot of people who aren't in church today because they're confused about God's heart and God's nature. So they wonder like, all these bad things have happened in my life. How can I trust God? Why would I go to church? You know, and it's important for us to know that God's not the author of problems and tragedies and, and uh, of death so that we can go to those people and say, hey, let me tell you some good news. Okay, look at Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. It says, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. So, it's important for us to understand what that means firstly. Okay? It doesn't mean that there were some prophets walking around on earth and that's who God spoke through. That's the picture that I have had when I read that verse. I picture, you know, Elijah all dressed up or some other prophet and I picture them walking around and just speaking to people and that's God speaking to people. Okay? Not 100%. When it's speaking about prophets, God speaking to us by the prophets in the past, it's talking about the Old Testament. Because you had, Moses was a prophet. Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. Then you've got all the prophets of, uh, uh, after that, the minor prophets and the major prophets and you know, all of that. And all of them wrote down something, a prophecy. They wrote down something and that's how God was speaking to people. Well, through what these guys were saying. Okay? What this also says is that that time is now past. <laughs> okay? So don't think of modern day prophets. Okay? Don't think of Angel. For those of you who know Angel, you know Angel. <laughs> hey, Maki. We're not talking about Angel or any of those uh, false guys that are walking around today. Okay? God spoke in times past... In different ways and in times past through the prophets. Then it says, and now in these uh, and final days, he has spoken to us through his son. Who's his son? Jesus. Okay. You're awake. It's good. Yes. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything uh, by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from sin and he sat down in his place of honor, etc. Now, I want, you, want to show you something there. In the, 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 um, the Greek there, where it says, the, the, the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. What it's saying there is it's not... It, <laughs> It's saying that it, God, Jesus is not just a carbon copy of God, but He is God. If you see Him, you see exactly what God is like. So this is one of the easiest ways to convince people of the goodness of God. Look at Jesus, and if you can't see it in Jesus, it's not in God. So how many people did Jesus kill when He was on earth? It's not a trick question. He didn't kill anyone. Okay, how many people did he put sickness on? You know, if you read the, the, the Gospels, you never see him going up to someone and saying, you know what, I'm going to put uh, cancer on you. 
because it's for the glory of God. Here's some sickness for you. And uh, you know what? You, 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 you're going through a difficult time. It's because uh, uh, I'm trying to make you stronger. And so I'm not going to take this problem from you. I'm not going to heal you because you need to become a better person. But a lot of pastors at the pulpits say that kind of rubbish, right? You've heard them say that. Not yet. <laughs> but you hear out there people saying things like, Oh, God's got a purpose in this sickness for me. He's wanting to make me stronger. He's wanting to make me better. And you know, according to the Bible, that's rubbish. <laughs> okay? It's not good. Because God's not involved in sickness and in death and in destruction. Okay? It's important for us to see this. So if we look at Jesus, we can see exactly what God is like. Okay, I want to go back to uh, what's it, Hebrews here in verse 1. The Passion Translation says it like this. Throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by His prophets in many different ways. The revelation He gave them was only a fragment at a time, building one truth upon another. So what this is saying to us is that in, the, in Genesis to Malachi, the first half of your Bible, it's not half, but the first part of your Bible, the prophets are like this. We had, you had um, Moses sitting and writing Genesis. Now he's inspired by God, okay? And he's writing Genesis. But he, he, he's a man. He doesn't know everything about God. So he's interpreting things that are going on and he's, in, he's interpreting his understanding of God and he's writing, but his writings are not a full picture of who God is. Then you get Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You get the Psalms, you get all the different writings of uh, uh, um, uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah and all of that. And you know what? In all of those books of the Old Testament, it's only one truth upon another truth but it's just a little picture coming, uh, coming into play. You know, like if you've got a puzzle, you know a puzzle. Yeah. And you've got a, uh, let's uh, be ridiculous, a 10,000 piece puzzle. Do you get such a thing? I don't know. So you've got a 10,000 piece puzzle. Okay. This is what the Old Testament is like. They put one piece. Moses puts a couple pieces in this corner. And there's a whole part of the puzzle still missing. So you can't see the full picture of God. Just by looking at Moses, just by looking at, at Genesis, just by looking at Exodus, there's much more that you've got to understand and know. What this is also saying is that, you know, it's saying that it was truth upon truth upon truth, which, were, which uh, the prophets were communicating. Take every single writing about God from Genesis all the way to the end of the Old Testament, Malachi, and it's still incomplete. And a lot of Christians would be like, how can you say that? That's blasphemy. It, it's, it, it's not a full picture of God. Otherwise, the Jews would be saved. Because the Jews have Genesis to Malachi, but they don't have a full picture of God. They don't know who God is. You, If you're a Christian, you know God better than a Jewish person. Who has the same Old Testament. Why? Because... The full revelation of who God is comes through Christ. The full revelation of who God is comes through Christ. So we can only know God properly if we take Genesis to Malachi and then on top of that, we interpret it through Jesus. So, 
One of the important building blocks that we've got to take here is if I don't see it in God uh, in Jesus, it's not in God. Okay. And you look, you, you start reading Genesis to, to, uh, to Malachi, you start reading the Old Testament, you know, you know what happens. Sometimes we read something and we're like, why did God kill all these people? You know, because sometimes it looks like that, right? You know, what I've just explained to you shows you how to interpret your Bible. You don't just go, oh, why does this verse say that about God? I thought he was good. What you need to do is you go to Jesus and you interpret it. And you go, huh, Jesus never killed anyone, so this must be a misunderstanding of sorts. I need to study this further. And I'm going to give you an example of that now. Okay, so go to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And you're going to see something here. How a prophet only knew a bit about God, but he didn't know God completely. Okay, Luke chapter 9, verse, uh, we're going to look at a couple of verses, verse 51 to 54. Luke 9, 51 to 54. Must get ready to see Jesus and the goodness of God here. It says, when the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem and he sent messengers ahead of him. Who, we, uh, who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him, because his face was set towards Jerus Jerusalem. And when the disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Okay, so here you have uh, the disciples um, saying to, to Jesus, hey, that town over there, they don't want to receive you, Jesus. That town, the Samaritans, they don't want to receive you. They don't know who you are. And you know what they say? Can we do what Elijah did? Can we wipe them out? You know what's interesting? Is they're not saying, Jesus, can you please use your power and wipe them out? What are they saying? We can do this. They're saying, we can do this. Just let us do it. They're just, they're just wanting Jesus to kind of give them some backing. Why? Because at that moment in their hearts, they're disciples of Elijah. They're not disciples of Jesus. They're following Elijah there. They're not following Jesus. And they're looking to the example of Elijah, like a lot of Christians, not the example of Jesus. They're saying, hey, the man of God, Elijah, the big prophet, he called fire down from heaven, and that actually happened, and it killed people. Because Elijah was uh, stuck at home, and uh, 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 what happened was um, the king had sent soldiers to come and, and, and take him. And uh, the captain of the army knocks on his door and says, Hey, uh, man of God, you must come to the king. He's, he, wants, he wants to see you. And what does Elijah respond? Elijah responds and says, If I am a man of God, let fire fall from heaven and consume you. And it did. And it killed the people. And so you read that in the Old Testament and you think, Oh, this is... Why would God allow that? But now you look in Luke chapter 9 and you, you, you see the same thing. The disciples are thinking, That is God. The disciples are thinking... That was God. He killed people through Elijah. 
like many Christians think. But look what, look, look what happens. Okay, Luke chapter 9, verse 55 and 56. Jesus turns to them and rebukes them. What does it mean to rebuke? It means he's telling them off. He's saying, you're wrong. He's saying, that's not how it should be. Okay, and he says to them, you don't know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. So Jesus here is saying that the fire in Eli with Elijah, the fire of God of, uh, that came from heaven, that consumed the people, it was not God. That's what he's saying. If you're interpreting the Bible properly now, you can see that had nothing to do with God. It was the man of God, but it wasn't God of the man. Okay? And now Jesus is rebuking his disciples for wanting to be like the man of God. And he says, why? Because the Son of Man, Jesus, has nothing to do with destroying people's lives. He's only got to do with rescuing. So in your life, here's the good news, and in the lives of every single person, even every single unbeliever in town, Jesus, God, is never destroying. He's never destroying. He's only ever saving. He's only ever rescuing. He's only ever wanting to help. And that's the picture of God that we should have in our hearts. Okay? Yeah, Jesus is... is uh, um, Jesus and then, and then the, the New Testament letters, what they're doing a lot of the time is they're writing to correct the view of God. That's what Jesus was doing in this situation. He was saying, you think that God's interested in killing people. You think that just because these guys rejected me, now I, I want to kill them. No. He says, I came to rescue, not to kill. I came to save, not to destroy. And so he's correcting the mindset of his disciples and showing them a fuller picture of God. And then you get the letters of Paul and Peter and John, and they're all doing the same thing. They're correcting the view of God and giving a bigger picture of who God is and a clearer picture. Because if you just read Genesis to Malachi, you will not have a clear picture of who God is. You have to know Jesus and you have to know what, how the New Testament explains God. Death, disaster, destruction are never from heaven. Okay? Now, um, let me look here. Look with me. There's so many examples of this in the Bible. Look at John chapter 9. John chapter 9. John chapter 9. This is a, this is a good one here. Explain or helping us see Jesus clearer, giving us a clearer picture of God. It says, 1, 2, and 3 from the New Living Translation. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. <clears throat> Rabbi or teacher, his disciples asked him, Was this man born blind? Now, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sin or his parents' sin? Have you ever heard that kind of question? Why is this child born like this? Why is a, 
uh, this person got this problem? Is it because of their sin or because of their parents' sin? Okay, that's a good question to ask, right? But there's another question in there, which, which, uh, which maybe we'll get to in a moment. Let me, let me first deal with this one. Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sin or because of his parents' sin? Verse 3, it was not because of his sin or his parents' sin, Jesus answered. So Jesus makes it clear. This guy was not born because of sin. Uh, he wasn't born sick. He wasn't born be, uh, 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 blind because of sin. Why was he? Uh, uh, then he, he answers, uh, carries on and says, This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Now, a lot of people look at that and they go, Okay, so God made him sick so that he could get healed. Okay, but from what we've seen already, that does, as that's not how God works. God can't, like that would be weird. Like it's, it's like making my children uh, do something wrong or harmful so that I can teach them something. Yeah, here the stove is hot, feel. Put their hand on the stove and they get burnt. They need to go to hospital. But at least they've learned that the stove is, is, is hot. Yeah, does God do that? He doesn't work like that. Okay, so it's important for us to see this. Okay. He's, he's, he's not saying that God made him sick, but he's saying that in this situation, I will make the, the glory of God will be manifest. The power of God will be, will be seen. Okay, so that's what he's bringing across here. And um, <clears throat> what he does then is he heals the guy and the guy gets healed. Now, uh, 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 if we dig deeper into this question, a lot of people would be like, why am I struggling to have a child? Sometimes, you know, couples will struggle to have children. And then when they have a child, what will they say? This child is a, a gift from God. Now, the child is a gift from God. Amen? We are all children in some capacity. And you're all gifts. You're all blessings. But you didn't come from God. <laughs> okay? I, 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 I'm not going to explain all the biology. But you didn't come from God. You came from two consent, some two adults saying, hey, we want to have a child. And God set it up so that you could have a man and a woman come together and they could have a child. That's how God set it up. Okay? When, do, when does God make me breathe? He, he, he's not making me breathe. I'm choosing to breathe, Right? I can choose not to breathe. Can I choose not to breathe? Yes. Can you choose not to breathe? <laughs> can you choose to stop your friend from breathing? That's, that, that you can, but that's a, that's a sin. That's murder. <laughs> See, what I'm trying to show you is that God has set it up so that we have free will and we make decisions on earth. Okay? We have this picture of heaven that it's a nursery with all these kids. It's Emily's play school in heaven, but it's Jesus' play school. And all these babies are everywhere. And then you've got a couple waiting for a child, and it's like, a, God's like, oh, okay, let me give them a child. Then. And then he kind of you know, releases one from the play, group, play, play the playground, and then a child gets blessed with, uh, uh, the, the, the couple get blessed with a baby. That's kind of the mentality that we have, right? There's no stalk involved, but you know, that's kind of what we think. And what's the problem with that view? One of the problems is that why would God take you out of heaven and put you on earth in a position where you have to hear the gospel to go back to heaven? 
So God doesn't work like that. It's not in the Bible. Okay? The, the moment a, a man and a woman come together and there's life, then, there's, then it's kind of like God has given us that authority to create. Okay? And um, if there's something physically wrong, then that would prevent a child from coming. God's not saying, uh-uh, I don't want you to have a child. Why, why, you know how, why he does that? Because there's a lot of bad parents. Right? There's a lot of people who have children who shouldn't have children. And if God was really interested in, uh, if he was the one dishing out kids, then why would he give children to people who beat children? Why would he give children to people who shouldn't have children like they're unfit to be parents? It doesn't work like that. Okay? So what I'm trying to show you is that as much as you're not born, like we make decisions, we have children that come into this world, and then because of the frailty of the world, because of sin, because of the fall of man, because the earth is not in its top form, sometimes we have sickness. So any sickness in your body, God wasn't saying, huh, I want to give you that. I, I want you to wear glasses, JB. Or, you know, I want you to have this sickness and I want you to have that. He doesn't do that. Okay? But we have this mentality. It just happens because we live in a fallen world. Some, you know, there, there, there could be many reasons for, for different kinds of sin. But we need to see that a child might be born without arms. A child might be born without legs. Not because God thought it looked good. Not because God thought it was a good idea, but because there was something wrong genetically. Because there was something wrong in the whole equation. But God was not, He was the author of life. He authored the life that you and someone else consented to. Do you see that? So, here we see the goodness of God in that He's not causing the sickness. He's not uh, giving this man blindness, but God's power is to actually deal with the blindness. That's the goodness of God. Okay? Um, it's so important that we have this settled in our hearts because, you know, throughout the Old Testament, people didn't understand God properly. They didn't even know there was a Satan. Did you know that? In the Old Testament, they didn't really even know there was a Satan. In the, you go read the Old Testament and very little is said about the devil. And he was kind of like hiding in the Old Testament. And nobody knew he was hiding. Nobody knew that he was involved in people's lives. And then something happens. Something supernatural happens. And what do people do? What do men of God even do? They credit the negative things to God. When sometimes it wasn't God, it was the devil. They credit natural things to God, thinking that it was God, but it wasn't even God, it wasn't the devil, it was just, you know, like you know, an earthquake, for example. How I mean, still today, in a lot of our mindset, we think that an earthquake, a tsunami, a flood, things like these, we think that this is from God. He's punishing us, or it's from the devil. No, no, no. It's the results of the, the world that we live in. This is how things are after the fall. Okay? Otherwise, like, I mean, think about it. 
God uh, is upset with uh, Cape Town because of all the sin. Okay, he's not really, I'm just saying, think about it. Let's say God's upset with Cape Town and he wants to punish Cape Town. He's going to pour out his wrath. He's going to punish us. Okay? So now, the, the, the weather bureau, the, the, the weather department get reports that there's, a, there's a, a, a tsunami coming. And this big wave is going to take out Cape Town. All the way up to Solaris Pass. You guys aren't going to survive it. In Malmesbury, we are a bit higher up, so we'll survive. <laughs> but now, he's going to take out the whole... God's punishing Cape Town. But now, the weather department sees the weather report that there's a tsunami coming. The judgment of God is coming. So you know what they do? They start issuing a warning to the residents in Cape Town, and they tell us, we all need to flee. We all need to leave. We all need to escape the wrath of God. And so we don't repent and pray. We gather our belongings and we run to Johannesburg. We go inland. And then the wave is coming and you've got helicopters coming. And they're picking up people. And because, the, 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 because man is much more powerful than God. And the helicopters are saving man from the wrath of God. Can you see how ridiculous this is? And now we, 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 we're rescuing people from the wrath of God. God wants to punish people. But people are saving people. It doesn't work like that. So that tsunami or that flood has nothing to do with God. What happens instead? God's people often go in after a, a flood, after a tsunami, after a tragedy, to try and go and help people. To go and rescue people. Or we go in beforehand, if there's a warning, to rescue people. Why? Because God's not interested in destroying people. He only wants to rescue or save people. Okay? So, you know, a flood or something like this isn't an act of God. It's just an act of nature. It's just something that happens. Okay? So, you know, you even have um, uh, uh, pastors. Some pastors and some Christians who would pray for someone to die. I don't know if you've seen this. Huh? They're like a, 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 a friend of mine was telling me about a church he was in, in Zimbabwe. And how they took church to eggs to church. You know eggs. <laughs> so they would take eggs, chicken eggs. And then on the chicken eggs you would write your enemy's name. And then while they're, they're throwing the eggs at the wall. So that they will destroy their enemies. How do you deal with your enemies? Forgive them. You, you, you pray for them. But you know that you actually don't have any enemies. Only the devil is your enemy. Sickness is your enemy. Sin, you could say, is an enemy. And there's an answer for all of that. But people are never your enemy. People, we've got to love people. They might do things to hurt us. They might do things to make us sad or, or steal from us or whatever. But it's the devil working through them. It's not them. And when we start to see that, then we can love them like we should. Then we can help them like we should. Then we're not going to give in to wanting to get even. We'll rather minister to them. Amen? Amen? So if God is not a God of destruction, what about Noah? You know Noah. What about the flood? Because these are some of the questions that people say. Well, you know, that, I mean, that was like, 
A long time ago, and now they're, they're sitting here, and you're telling them about how awesome Jesus is, and God is good, and He loves you, and this and that, the next thing. And then they're like, but what about Noah? God destroyed the earth with a flood. Okay, but He sent Jesus, so why don't you just receive Jesus and enjoy the goodness of God? But what about Noah? <laughs> and somehow they're stuck on Noah. So I think we should be able to give an answer for that. And there's, there's not enough time to get into all of that. But you know what happened with, with Noah? When Noah saw that there was destruction coming, he preached for 120 years, trying to warn people. Because he saw the goodness of God. He saw God is, is, is someone who doesn't destroy. He's someone who saves. So through, he was the mouthpiece of God wanting to rescue people. And so in God's kindness, in his love, through Noah, he was trying to rescue people, but no one would listen because their hearts were hard. And so, it, it, you know, they didn't respond to the message that Noah was preaching. They didn't respond to the good news of being rescued. Instead, they rejected it and they had what they were asked for. <coughs> because if we don't accept the message, there's consequences to that. Right? So, Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Look at that. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Romans 5 verse 12. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for, uh, for that all have sinned. Can you see there why sin, uh, why death came into the world? Why did death come into the world? Because man sinned. Does it say God sent death to the world because man sinned? No. Sin, uh, death was the result of sin. Death wasn't the, the, the result of God because of sin. Death was the result of sin. And I've got to hammer this, and I've got to make sure that we see this, because we've got to see the goodness of God here. He's not the one killing, uh, stealing, or destroying. God's not involved in destruction. He's involved in rescuing. And when we as Christians catch this, and we start to see God's heart and God's life is to rescue... We become like the God that we see. We become like the God that we see. Have you seen a lot of angry Christians out there? Yeah, when I was, uh, I was uh, you had um, Rachel here last week. And we dropped her off at the airport, uh, was it yesterday? Yesterday morning. And uh, as we were dropping off, I saw a newspaper, you know, in the, in the airport they have newspapers for free. So I saw a newspaper and in the, on the front page of the newspaper was something about a pastor that caught my attention. So I, I never read the newspaper, but I took it because I was like, I want to read this. And uh, this guy is uh, uh, facing jail time, this pastor, because of statements that he's made on uh, social media, on Facebook, about homosexuals. Okay? And my first reaction was, shame, this is against freedom of speech and... You know, the, the, I want to see what's going on here. And then I read it and I was like, he must suffer what he must suffer. 
Because he's, he's the one who's, who's making his own problems. Because he's not going with the message of love. He's not going with the message of grace. He's not even dealing with anything of this nature. He just wants to go on Facebook and tell everyone why they're wrong. And it, you know, one of the things that he said, he said, if I was the president, he said, I wouldn't lock them up in jail. I'd put them in cages because they're not good enough for jail. There's no love there. There's no love there. So you know what, 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 what he, he sees God as somebody who's angry with sin. He sees God as somebody who's going to punish sin. And so he's going to start punishing people by, by lashing out at them and speaking angry. And if you see God as somebody who's angry and is judging sin, <coughs> then you too are going to be like that with sinners out there. When you're hanging out with sinners or you're trying to reach them, and they say, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. You're going to be like, and God's going to judge you for it. You need to turn or burn. You know, and you're going to be upset with them. But when you see like Noah did, the compassion of God, the goodness of God. The Bible says Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Okay, when we see that we have grace and mercy from God, what's going to happen is that love will start to flow towards people that need it. And we're not going to be harsh and cruel and mean with people. We're going to be like, do you know that God loves you? You know, uh, 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 yeah, but you don't like I've, I've been in conversations like that as well. where um, You're ministering the gospel to someone and they're like, yes, but you don't agree with uh, my lifestyle choices. I was like, I'm not talking about your lifestyle choices right now. I'm talking about salvation. You know. You don't have to talk about their sin. We, we did this with ministry school a, a few years back. I gave the, 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 uh, the, the second years uh, an assignment, and the assignment was, how would you share the gospel with a homosexual? And the first person that got up in the class, and they shared, they started to talk about what the Bible says about homosexuality. And then when they were finished, I stood up and I said, this is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> but it's wrong. I wanted to show you, like, because I knew that, that someone was going to do that. And I'll tell you why it's wrong. It's because I said, how do you share the gospel? I didn't say, well, how, how do you talk about sin? When you're sharing the gospel with someone, you don't have to talk about their sin. You're talking about how their sin is dealt with. You don't have to say, your life is wrong. And you need to get right with God. What are we talking about? How Jesus came to rescue them so they could be made right with God. And how are we made right with God? By stopping our sin? That's what a lot of people say. Hey, but we're made right by believing the gospel. We're not made right with God by stopping sin. How? You know, justification. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 there. We're in that chapter. So just the top of that chapter, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What's that saying? Justified is made just as if you've never sinned. Justified is being made right with God. How are we made right with God? Is it by stopping our lives of sin? Is it good to stop your life of sin? Yes. Sin is bad for us. Okay, sin will cause a lot of problems for us. But how are we made right with God? 
by faith in Jesus and what He's done for us. So if we're wanting to see people out there coming to the kingdom, what must our message be? The goodness of God that dealt with your sin. The goodness of God that dealt with your sin. Not you need to deal with your sin so that God will accept you. How is that wrong? How is that message wrong? You need to stop sinning so God will accept you. Why is that wrong? Hmm. You, you need to believe and then, you know, you, 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 God accepted you already. And now you need to believe that and then you experience that. Doesn't mean you're going to heaven. You have to believe. But we need to respond to His, 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 uh, His gift of salvation and His gift of grace. So if we have the right picture of God, because religion has painted the wrong picture of God, right? The world has painted the wrong picture of God. If we have the right picture of God as Christians, it's going to give us confidence in talking to Him in prayer. It's going to give us confidence in our walk with Him. What else is it going to do? It's going to give us love in our hearts for the people that we're reaching out to and ministering to. It's going to cause you to be a nice person. Amen. <laughs> yeah, if you, I don't know everybody very well here, but none of you seem like mean people. And I'm grateful for that. <laughs> Maybe Lucy. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm joking, Lucy. Nobody, nobody here seems mean. And I mean, we all have a, maybe a day or here or there where you kind of maybe have a, a mean flash. You know, you all of a sudden are mean. But why are we mean in those moments? Because we're not focused in on the love of God. But as long as you're focused on the true nature of God, what? You can't be mean. You can't be mean if you're focused in on the true nature of God. You can't not love people if you're focused in on the goodness of God. And the true nature of God is revealed in Christ. So I focus in on Jesus and then I experience His goodness and His goodness overflows. Going back to John 10.10. 10, Jesus said, The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life in abundance. The, the Amplified says, to the full, until it overflows. Abundant life. Think about what does that mean for a moment. Abundant life means you've received something, and now you've got much more than you can handle. Abundant life means you've received life to the place where you can't keep it to yourself. It's overflowing. Okay, it's not talking about money. <laughs> okay? It's not talking about money. What is it talking about? It's talking about life. It's talking about Holy Spirit. It's talking about the, the Spirit of God living in us. And now, because we've received the life of God, we've received eternal life, the Spirit of God, and He lives inside of you. He's overflowing. He's, he's overflowing. Because he, God's more than you can handle, Right? The, the power and the life and the love of God in you is more than you can handle. So the more you focus on that, the more you're going to overflow. The more you're going to experience His goodness and people are going to experience His goodness through you. Amen. Amen. I mean, think about it. People experience what you're baptized in. Baptized is immersed. Baptized means covered. Baptized means you've become one with. So... If you've been baptized in lemon juice, 
Then you're sour. <laughs> then you look like you are, you've been chewing on lemons, right? I like sour things, but my face always goes funny if I eat sour things, right? Some people, some Christians look like they, they're living in a, a lemon tree sucking on lemons, right? But the Bible shows us that Christian life is being immersed, baptized into Christ. Think about how Jesus is. He's good. And He's only ever good. He's love. And He's only ever love. And so, the more we focus in on that, the more we're immersing ourselves in His goodness, in His kindness, in His love. And then what? You, you, that's what people are going to experience when they come into contact with you. That's evangelism. A lot of Christians have this view of God that He's angry, and so they're going out on the street and they're saying, you've got to repent of your sin and turn to God or you're going to face hell. Why do they do that? Because they think that that's what God wants. But people don't really experience the love of God in that moment, do they? And those people are usually very scared to go and stand on the streets and do that. Have you ever seen someone like that? They're usually scared. And you go and talk to them and they don't really want to talk to you. They just want to tell you that you're a sinner. But if you start to engage with them, they don't want to engage. They're just here to tell you. But if you've got the love of God in your hearts and He's overflowing through you, what's going to happen? You're going to go out there and you're going to want to talk to somebody. And you're going to talk to them in a way where you see them, you value them, and you think that they're worth something. And you're going to be compassionate and loving and caring with them. And draw them with loving kindness into the kingdom. Amen? Amen? That's how we do evangelism. You've got to know the love of God, the right picture of God, and then you allow Him to flow through you as you meditate on His goodness. Amen? You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca And if you're ever in the Solaris Pass area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.